0: Hi, I'm Talissa and I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme.
1: Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome Welcome to to Transatlantic Crime. (laughs) Same place. it's thanksgiving
0: happy thanksgiving
1: (laughs) i do not know what it is still really it's
0: uh supposedly when the pilgrims came over and they were struggling then the native americans helped them and then they had a big feast back in the 1600s
1: i always maintain that while native americans were um lovely they kind of Like, didn't do themselves any favors by being nice to us, the most evil people that ever existed.
0: (laughs) Well, Thanksgiving is kind of a bullshit holiday because who knows what actually happened. If they were forced into it, if it's just this rose-tinted holiday that we're looking at. I mean, the pilgrims brought diseases
1: and... (laughs) Smallpox. Smallpox and... Uh, just guns. They were and... just fuckers, like absolute yeah. fuckers. Have you seen the program? Have you seen the um, series Jamestown?
0: No, I haven't watched it.
1: I watched like the first two seasons of it, and it's about the settlers, like the first settlers in yeah. America, the English that like, came over, and it's really good. It's basically like EastEnders, but like with <laughs> Native Americans and. <laughs> Like, it's so dramatic. It's really, really good.
0: For people who don't know what EastEnders is, it's (laughs) like a soap.
1: Yeah, soap opera. Over the top. Uh, People die and, like, (laughs) get get amnesia and all that stuff.
0: Cheat on each other. Yeah. Just uh, whatever you, like, Americans have soaps and they're shown in, like, the afternoon, but EastEnders is shown in the
1: evening. It's prime time.
0: Yeah, prime time, evening time, along with like other soaps like what are the other ones? Like Hollyoaks and Coronation Street.
1: Coronation Street. Street. <laughs> Actually, Coronation Street comes up in my story a bit later. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. <laughs> so what have you done what have you done for Thanksgiving?
0: Well, it's the morning, so Nothing yet. I haven't done anything yet. What's your plans? Traditionally you're supposed to have turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and cranberry and all that kind of stuff and we're not doing any of that
1: i think you're blowing your christmas beans too early that's what i, I think. think
0: what every english person says when i talk about thanksgiving <sighs> they're like well what do you have on christmas then if you already have your turkey on thanksgiving well it's I'm the like, same is isn't it what you sh- i mean who cares <laughs> <laughs>
1: Christmas is so special. I think yeah. that's like, like people have started putting their decorations up here and it's November and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're yeah. ruining it. And then-
0: Well, yeah, you're supposed to wait till after Thanksgiving to put up your, like the day after Thanksgiving, you put up your decorations for Christmas. That's in my books.
1: I still think that's too early. I think, like- It's a
0: month before Christmas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, my mum had 12 days before Christmas you put your uh-huh. decorations up and then you take okay. them down 12 days after which yeah
0: i mean i mean i think fine. it can go
1: up a little bit earlier than that but like
0: december but, december 1st
1: yeah i think december 1st is okay but then carly was like are you really gonna take that away from people when they've had the shittest year <laughs> i was just <laughs> like fair enough i'll let it go this year
0: <laughs> that's true yeah play your christmas songs as much as you want this year
1: yeah you get a free pass because it's literally like the one little husk of hope in this fucking <laughs> shit swamp uh, that is 2020 yeah. So, but yeah I just want to wait till December the 1st because I just want it I want to be excited about it and then I want it to happen and like you know
0: yeah you don't want to get into it too early because then your excitement just kind of wanes off
1: you're a bit Christmased out aren't you like yeah. by the end of it I don't want that right. no <laughs>
0: yeah your christmas sweater's all sweaty
1: yeah you've eaten you've like (laughs) fucking sick of quality streaks you've eaten like two tins worth already (laughs) yeah so i'm gonna wait but um we have we are just coming out of our lockdown now and then oh okay so now we've gone into like different tiers of lockdown so like bristol is on tier three which is what does that mean basically still in lockdown nothing's open like you can't go anywhere or meet anyone or do anything but andover where my family live isn't so i'm like i'm fucking off to andover like as soon as this is done so and also like they say that the in tier two which is andover the pubs are shut but restaurants are open but you can drink but only with a meal okay like, yeah people are gonna be like can I have a uh, roast and two bottles of wine <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's the rules here too you can't go to the bar you can only go to places that serve food so if a bar serves food then you can go there
1: I don't see the logic I,
0: I get it it's because and at the same time we have a curfew now so we can't be out past 10 till 6am or something like that
1: yeah we we have that a bit as well
0: the less people are drunk and in close proximity to each other then that is probably the reason why they're doing it
1: yeah i know yeah <laughs> 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 yeah i'm fuck it like everyone here is so done with this now
0: <laughs> oh yeah i was saying this week i was like i'm so sick of this i i'm going nuts officially yeah. i am going nuts and uh all, all week we've been getting notifications the california government is like don't go out of town for thanks thanksgiving don't Go to other people's houses. Don't celebrate Thanksgiving with people outside of your household. And then all restaurants are shutting down from today for like a month,
1: I think. Uh, Would you usually go and see your family?
0: Yeah. Thanksgiving used to be one of my most favorite holidays because you just eat and have fun with your family and friends. And you drink. Fake Christmas. There's no... Yeah. But there's no pressure for like opening presents or yeah, that's singing true. Christmas songs or that's there's very true like that you just eat
1: doesn't have to be on theme like
0: exactly
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> strips out all that Christmas cheer right yeah I kind of see the point now that does make it sound quite good yeah okay so business of the day
0: yes let's get into it we have a lot of notes because we haven't talked for a couple of weeks
1: yeah, that's very true. Also, I'm going to fucking warn you, my story is like 7 pages.
0: Oh, same.
1: <laughs> this is going to be a long one. Oh, it's going to be so long. Like somebody on Twitter, Sean said, um, I love it when they make it long like it makes lockdown less boring. Well, fucking strap in, son, cuz this is yeah, going to blow ready. your balls off. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, "Oh my god, but these bitches shut up." <laughs> Yeah. So fast forward yeah.
0: thirty seconds, thirty seconds, thirty
1: seconds. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh our competition winner is announced.
0: Yes. Congrats yeah. to
1: Emily. Yep, yeah, and she's done a lovely like picture of her drinking a white claw and lovely. Yeah. Which is an American thing that I think has only just come over here. Oh really? Yeah, so it's like hard seltzer, right? Yeah. I thought it was a beer. But anyway, um, so yeah, she's drinking one of those and enjoying her bag, which is nice. There's a little pi- I'll put a picture of it on the Instagram. Awesome. Um, and stuff I wanted to talk to you about is, do you know what I watched the other day? Tales of the Grim Sleeper by Nick Broomfield. Oh yeah, I can't believe I've never seen it before.
0: Yeah, that I remember when we did that episode, I kept yeah you did it, it yeah. You said that you hadn't seen it, and I was shocked because yeah it is like a great documentary it's very yeah. um harrowing
1: Nick Broomfield he also did that amazing documentary with um Eileen Wernos and I really like him mm. I really like the stuff that he does but I kind of feel like he's a bit fly by the seat of your pants kind of documentary maker like he just shows up and starts filming and then if people talk to him well great and if they don't yeah where's your fucking film Like, he doesn't do any planning, really. He just, like, goes and tries to get in contact with people. And it kind of reminds me of that episode of Louis Theroux where he tried to get in contact with Michael Jackson and never did. That's like a... I seen that one. It's shit. It's really boring. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of his worst. And I I don't say that lightly because I've got Louis Theroux pillows in this house. So, like, (laughs) big fan over here. And, yeah, um, yeah, honestly... it's got that vibe about it and i'm like i like what you do but i feel like it could so easily go wrong it's i kind of feel like it's just luck yeah
0: totally and coming from like a documentary filmmaker standpoint yeah that causes a lot of anxiety in me
1: because, yeah like and me i don't, don't even don't... make films
0: <laughs> but you like you have all this you you paid a camera crew you've flown he's from england so he's flown out to la like he spent Mm -hmm. all this money and you're just like well i'm gonna go out with my camera crew and we'll see what happens it's like you're lucky that things happen yeah
1: exactly i don't know It's just like jammy basically he just like he just wings it
0: yeah super lucky
1: i don't know if i can like 100 give you give you as much credit like for that as, right. as opposed to people who have spent, like, months chasing someone down to be able to talk to yes. them. Like, I thought a really good thing about that documentary was, Anna, is it Anitria Washington?
0: Yeah. She's I, in it. I said her name totally wrong in episode. What did you episode. say? I said Enrietta. Oh, okay. I read it wrong. Yeah. Okay, well, that's
1: just, like, a quick corrections corner. Yeah. But it's only because I watched a documentary and I heard her say it. So Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was a really good documentary and um, also found out from it, of the eleven victims that they identified and knew, none of them were reported on the news. Yeah, how I know fucking nuts.
0: Like, and it, th- what is the term that they used? That the cops used? It was like a non-human or a non-person.
1: No human. Yeah, like no hu- no humans involved or something. And right. that's what they were. That's what they would write down insane. for drug addicts and sex yeah. workers. It's yeah there's fucking grace as well there's a guy on there that's like he's part of like a we take weird pictures of women club with the grim sleeper
0: i forgot about that guy
1: yeah and he's in a hotel room with nick broomfield he says something like um oh i'm trying to think what it was but I, would, you know like when you like recoil in horror what someone said but there's like no yeah. one in the room with you to look at and i was just like ew <laughs> i think he oh no no what he said was they got DNA from the victims off their breasts from like his saliva. And the guy on there is like, yeah, he was a titty sucker. And I was just like, oh,
0: gross. <laughs> That's fucking gross. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that from you like, guy. I
1: don't I don't think sucking someone's tits is gross at all, but I think saying he was a titty sucker is really oh, oh. Are you right? So have you got any news?
0: We have a special surprise for our Patreon followers.
1: (gasps) Yes. Yes. Although um, you say surprise, I did put a post out about it. So it's not that much of a surprise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have a special present for our Patreon followers.
1: Yes, we do. Um, We just posted
0: about today, right? Yeah.
1: Yes. And also I said that when I was setting up our Patreon, I was like, didn't have a clue what to put for the tiers and stuff. And I think I said you have to be on a $10 thing to get exclusive bonus episodes or whatever. That's not true. Like, £5 is more than enough. So I'm going to (laughs) change. It may say that on the Patreon, but that's not the case. So I'm going to change that.
0: You're going to get stuff. Regardless. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. So, yeah, we'll do that.
1: Me too. We're going to
0: that after this.
1: Yeah. And I've added another little tab to the episode uh, spreadsheet. So...
0: Yay. We
1: could talk. Admin talk. <laughs> <laughs> Spreadsheets.
0: <laughs> so I set up a bookshop.org affiliate Ooh, link for us. And I made yes. a list of books that we've either talked about on the episodes or about subjects that we've talked about, like Ted Bundy or um, who's that woman that you did a couple of weeks ago. And the writer tweeted to you.
1: Oh, Mary book. Ashford. Yes. Book, is her book, book on there? Oh, cool. Yeah. A
0: couple others. So, bookshop.org is, they just founded it as like a way of supporting uh, smaller bookshops rather than using Amazon. Amazing.
1: So good good present are... idea for Christmas.
0: Exactly. That's what I was going to say. If you're going to buy a Christmas present, a uh, book. For someone, then use bookshop.org. And if you want, you can use our book list for any true crime lovers. There's a lot of true crime books on there. So you can get our link in our bio on Instagram.
1: Amazing. Thanks for setting that yeah. up.
0: I'll i posted in our show notes as well for this episode.
1: Yeah, definitely. I have a problem with this podcast in that I'm like, oh, we made bags. And I'm like, I'm going to get myself a bag of my own thing. And then you're like, oh, yeah, we've got got books that mention. I'm like, yeah, I might go buy a book. And I'm like, I'm not making any money out of this.
0: You get 10% back. Well, so... yeah,
1: at least there's that 10% yeah. discount on my own shit. So I don't know if you have anything else. I think we should get stuck in because we're going to be here a while, mate. We
0: really should. <laughs> we've been talking for about 20 minutes and this is gonna be a long episode
1: oh i'm sure there
0: will be tangents too so
1: yep (laughs) as ever can't stay away from talking that shit baby (laughs) (laughs) okay so you're first this week
0: all right so this week's theme is biggest crimes that you've never heard of yeah and we are specifically talking about things that we think that American listeners won't know about your one, and British listeners won't know much about my one. So, mm-hmm. this week I am doing Israel Keys.
1: I have the biggest wide on for this case. I can't get enough. He was so sneaky that, like, yeah. you like this is so the message I sent where I embarrassed myself to that other podcaster. That his podcast is about Israel keys. So I am yes. balls I am balls deep in like the armchair people trying to solve Kate missing people cases that could be connected to him. So I'm here for this.
0: And there's so many facets to it that obviously Josh Hallmark, who does true crime bullshit, he's done now he's on his third season of talking about Israel Keys. Mm-hmm. So me talking about him now in our one episode is, like, compared to true crime bullshit, I feel like it's, like... What? You know that Jesus painting that the old woman tried to repaint or, like, redo? No. No? <laughs> There's this famous painting in, uh I think it was in Spain. Right. And it's from, like, the 1300s or something. And it yeah. was starting to deteriorate. So this old woman... Who said she was a an artist? Said she would try and like fix it, but she ended up just. It looks like Jesus's face is now a ghost with oh, like god just a, a hole for a mouth.
1: A fucking priceless artifact.
0: <laughs> yes, so that is that's what I feel compared to true crime bullshit, and then me talking about it. I am the old lady who tried to paint repaint Jesus's face.
1: Stop it, You're ruining it. no i (laughs) it's it's apples and oranges like it's it's not comparable because yeah to listen to true crime bullshit you need to have an understanding already of who he is really yes so maybe maybe you can listen to true yeah yeah if you're interested then you can listen to true crime bullshit and get like all the ins and outs and weird details
0: yes definitely good idea Mm -hmm. that being said though I hate <laughs> in the first season and maybe the second one. I totally get why Josh Hallmark does this because he's gotten so deep into this story. It's like his life now. Mm-hmm. But he calls Israel Keys is and it, it makes me recoil every time I hear it because it's like, yeah. why are you nicknaming this horrible person? It, so he it's just he um gross.
1: he addresses that in like yeah. uh on an instagram video or like oh, a, does he or it was like um it might have been a patron only thing because i'm a i'm a patreon of that but it okay. might have been a patron only thing but he says he got loads of complaints about it oh. like hundreds of complaints yeah um and he was like well i want to do it so i'm just doing it basically
0: okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so- i totally get why he does it because he's just so deep into it, and he's learned about this person
1: so well. I do so find it jarring. It. Like, yeah. I really like him, and I find the case really interesting. But when, when he did it, I had that reaction as well. Like, yeah. I was just listening to it in my ears at my desk, and I was just like, ugh. So yeah. I do totally get why you feel that way. And when you hear about the stuff that he did, he is fucking grim. So, Yeah,
0: as I was researching this, I had to watch a lot of, like happy dance videos in between <laughs> just because i uh no, a palate I would cleanser. Just be so yeah i would be so disgusted and i don't want to have nightmares about this yeah he's
1: awful yeah.
0: so get ready listeners woohoo <laughs> all right israel keys was born in january 1978 in utah He grew up in an extremely religious family. His parents were Mormons, and he was the second of ten children. (laughs) You'll relate.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Beat you by one, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. His family eventually moved to Washington State, but before they moved, they were known to attend a white supremacist, anti-Semitic church. In Washington, Keyes and his siblings were homeschooled. Their home was in an isolated home in the woods without electricity. The family were also neighbors and friends with Chev and Shine Kehoe. I don't know if I said their names right. Mm-hmm. I don't care because they're pieces of shit. What they done they now? Were known <laughs> <racist>. <laughs> they were known racists and later convicted of murder and attempted murder.
1: Cool.
0: So those were their neighbors and friends.
1: I need to look that up because I feel like that's part about him that I don't know.
0: Yeah. I looked into it and there isn't much known about his relationship with them, but just knowing Mm. that they were close neighbors and friends and they were both very like religious families, even if there was like an ounce of influence, I would understand. Mm -hmm. Um, At 14 years old, Israel decided that he was an atheist, which caused his father to cut ties with him, yet he kept a close relationship with his mother. His family moved several more times during Keyes' childhood and teen years, and along with the isolated home life, Keys was able to keep hidden the tendencies that were grow- growing inside of him. He would often break into neighboring homes to steal guns and weapons. He also loved to hunt and would often torture animals, which is, was that trifecta? Yeah, the, Mac- the
1: McDonald triad. Hurting yes. animals... Setting fire to shit, wetting the bed.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so that's one of them. And I think he set fire to things too.
1: Yeah, he loved a bit of arson. Mm-hmm.
0: As an adult, he admitted that things that he did and that he thought were things that he thought were normal, but he discovered that nobody else thought were normal or okay. He discovered that when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. So he would hide this side of himself from most people. I think from everyone, even his mom, probably. Between 18 and 20 years old, Keyes kidnapped and raped a teenage girl. This was the earliest of his admitted crimes. He later said that he wanted to kill her, but he let her go in the end. So that's the first sign of something bad Mm -hmm. as a teenager, other than torturing animals. At 20 years old, Keyes joined the military where he served in the army for three years, where he was stationed in Texas and briefly in Egypt. I always wondered if he did something while he was away in Egypt because that would be very well hidden.
1: I think that's a huge possibility, yeah.
0: Although he did say that while he was in the army, he was looking forward to returning so that he could start murdering.
1: He was very, like... He hid his crimes really well, and yeah. there's an argument to say that if he did something in the army, that it would be noticed because he he didn't have any freedom to go and do what he wanted. Right. He had to be certain places, certain times, and he was in an army uniform, and he would have stuck out as a white person. Oh yeah, and yeah. an American. Do you know what I mean? Like he couldn't really fade into the background. So I, right? I think he. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But if he didn't, it wouldn't have been because he didn't want to. It would be because he didn't. He would. He knew better than to get caught.
0: Yeah, he was always probably accounted for. He couldn't. He couldn't yeah. be hidden. Um, after his discharge from the army in the year 2000, he went back to Washington, where he worked as a handyman on a reservation, Nia Bay, and lived with his girlfriend, and they had a daughter together. Mm -hmm. He was described as a loving father and a hard worker, but secretly he was already committing burglaries and bank robberies. From around 2004, Keyes would travel around the U.S. a lot and also took trips to Canada, Mexico, and Belize. In his travels, for example, he would fly to Chicago and he would rent a car and drive to Vermont, which is a 14-hour drive, 900 miles. It's like flying to the middle of the country... And then driving to the East Coast.
1: Which... He has a lot of patience.
0: Yeah. A like... lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> um. He also had a house that he owned in New York. And he also had family in Maine and Vermont, I believe. Mm-hmm. So he had reasons
1: to be there. Yeah.
0: But why would you fly to Chicago?
1: Yeah. So he's like untraceable. It like fucks up his like flight records and stuff.
0: Right. And, and I just listened to True Crime Bullshit's episode where he said that he would buy flights and then cancel them or change them within the same day. Or he mm-hmm. would buy multiple flights with different airlines as well. So you wouldn't always know where exactly he went or which flight he actually took.
1: Yeah. It's crazy, the amount of planning. It's insane. Like, it's insane. so calculated.
0: Yeah. But also it makes me think, is it calculated or... Or is it him being really unhinged?
1: Oh, maybe to to Chicago, maybe a bit of both. I'm going
0: to go to Texas <laughs> and then I'm going to... Yeah, yeah.
1: Depending on what mood he was in. like
0: Right. The FBI believed that this is when he began hiding his murder kits and researching secluded spots where he could find his victims. He would often stake out campsites, dog parks, boating areas, and even cemeteries for his victims. In one case, which we'll get into... He watched a secluded home that he made sure had no dogs, no children, and an attached garage so that he could sneak in through the garage. Keys would hide buckets full of supplies including money, weapons, plastic bags, ropes, ammunition, and items used to dispose of bodies. He would bury these murder kits and come back to that location at a later date to use them, sometimes waiting two years to return to them. This is one of the most intriguing things about this whole thing. His kill kits. His kill kits, and
1: what? Because he's thought ahead that far.
0: That he's one thought ahead that far. Two, that we have no idea how many he's put around the country.
1: No, so you, you don't stumble know how many.
0: Upon one in ten years time. Yeah. You could stumble upon a bucket in south dakota in the middle of nowhere yeah and if you knew about this case then you would call the cops if you didn't know anything about this you would just be like oh cool a bucket full of money and guns
1: <laughs> now we all know what'll happen when you find a kit <laughs> um
0: but like i was telling this to my uh trainer the other day uh i was talking oh to true about crime trainer reviews. yeah <laughs> yes and I was like, he's not very well known because he's one of these serial killers that one doesn't have a confirmed amount of murders other mm-hmm. than three. And he also doesn't have a nickname. He doesn't have like the Golden State Killer, no. or the Green River Killer. And no. she was like, you should call him the Kill Kit Killer.
1: That's a really good idea. That's I a know. really good name for like, him.
0: I'm totally using that. We should coin yeah. that and then. How, we should how just can we sell it?
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> how do we make money off this idea?
0: Hashtag yeah, kill so. Kill killer.
1: That is the perfect. But do you know why? Because I don't think he had a name because the papers never got a hold of it properly.
0: The papers never got a hold of it. And we'll talk about it later, but it's because he really didn't want any information coming out about him. And that's. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it's not yeah. spoilery, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, the FBI are still searching for some of these buckets hidden around the country, with some of them being found in New York and Alaska. The latest episode of True Crime Bullshit also talks about this in depth uh, mm-hmm. about... Like his method his... of hiding them. Yes, his method of hiding them where he would possibly hide them. And now I'm thinking so much about Minnesota because there's so many lakes. Really? In Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. He,
0: like, he's known to fly to Minnesota. He has a flight there. So I'm it's like, there's like, tons of lakes
1: in Minnesota. But how how he figures it out is so yeah. fucking clever. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god. But the thing is, I think if you if you work on something as long as he did, you are going yeah. to find like patterns. Because, oh, basically we can say it, fuck it. Like, <laughs> it's such a good podcast. So basically they say, where is, like, the body of one of your victims and where is the kill kit stuff? And he said, give give me a map and I'll show you on a map.
0: Exactly.
1: And yeah. then Josh, Josh Hallmark figured out that, like, it must be a marker that you can see on a map. Otherwise, yes. how can you just poke at the wilderness? Like, you can't. Yeah.
0: You can't so just be he- like, oh, yeah, it's under this tree.
1: Yeah. In the so we middle a, of
0: the woods.
1: So we have a system. So yeah. yeah, and you find out about the system in the in the episode. Oh god, I wish I could delete it from right. my brain and listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's just like who at the FBI is working this and have they figured this out already? And it's just Josh Hallmark coming out with it?
1: I don't or... think they have, because the hours he puts in, the FBI yeah. are busy like and it's they not are, really an be issue one, at
0: least one person working on this case. there's got to be at least one
1: person listening to his fucking podcast surely like yeah he's doing the work for you go in go into yeah. your job and be like i've had this idea <laughs> no one's gonna like right no gonna know you off this podcast <laughs> <laughs> you can get promotion like
0: exactly
1: that is honestly it's... so
0: many things
1: if someone in the FBI isn't just, like, leeching off his podcast for ideas, then they are missing a fucking trick, because it is top-level <laughs> work.
0: <laughs> yeah, good job, Josh. Well done, mate. We're gonna be applauding him so many times in this episode. Yeah. Um, where was I? Okay. In 2007, Keys moved to Alaska, where he began his construction business. He continued to travel around the country... He later told investigators that he did not use the money he made from his construction business to fund his travels around the country. He used money that he robbed from banks, in which he would disguise himself in fake mustaches and wigs, stealing from banks in small towns by threatening them with a gun. One bank in particular, the Community Bank in Tupper Lake, New York, he robbed in 2009. And you can look at the security camera photo um, where he has a it really once you know, it looks like a crappy
1: disguise. <laughs> I've like, not seen that picture.
0: <laughs> it looks like a old 1930s movie disguise, where it's like really? kind of a long, crappy beard and a mustache, <laughs> and like <laughs> shitty
1: sunglasses. That's it looks the thing. So stupid. Israel, he's is like he's. This is why he's a, like he's a psychopath, and he yeah. doesn't feel fear. Like, real people feel fear. So he just walks... He just, like, fucking jogs into this bank with shit, like, stuck to his face. And he's just like, give me some cash. Like, he just doesn't care. Right. He he is in no way scared of the outcome of it. Which is,
0: in a way... It's just a game to him. Yeah. To a normal person like me and you, it's like, it looks really stupid. But then at the same time, (laughs) because normal people don't expect that, then it's somewhat smart. Because... You don't expect it,
1: yeah. So and you're plus, you're not you looking know, for it. No, and people in that, like, if your if your bank is being robbed by gunpoint, you're not going to pay too much attention to their face. You're going to be panicking too much. Yeah, I think anyway.
0: Oh yeah, totally. You're going to hand over the money and and hope that be they like, it's not sh- my money. If
1: I can take it, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So he also admitted to burglarizing homes and then setting them on fire. In June 2011, I, also, I realize I'm like, as I was writing this, I was really avoiding talking about murder because it's just so horrific. So this is me like building up to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a particularly um, nasty one.
0: Yeah. In June 2011, Keys traveled back to Vermont, locating one of his murder kits that he had hidden two years prior. He found the secluded home of Bill and Lorraine Courier in rural Essex, Vermont. Keyes reportedly broke into the Courier's home on the night of June 8th and tied them up before driving to a, an abandoned farmhouse where he shot Bill Courier before sexually assaulting and strangling Lorraine. Keyes immediately returned to Alaska after this, where he continued to follow online any news that was posted about it. And this, investigators discovered, is another one of Key's MOs. Mm-hmm. He would often follow news stories online, ones that he was a part of, and he would even post comments under a pseudonym or his real name.
1: Really? Yeah. I need to Supposedly. look up those as well. Um, well.
0: We will talk about that in a little bit because he okay. did it for this next one, which is the most famous one. Yeah. So he did that June 2011. On February 1st, 2012, 18-year-old Samantha Koenig was working at a coffee stand in Anchorage, Alaska, which was Keyes' hometown. Keyes had planned to wait for Koenig's boyfriend to come and pick her up at the end of her shift, and he was going to kidnap both of them. But he decided last minute not to wait, and at 8 p.m., he jumped into the coffee stand and kidnapped Koenig. Koenig put up a fight, but Keys ultimately subdued her, tying her up and hiding her in his truck.
1: The CCTV of that is some of the most petrifying shit I've ever watched. Like,
0: Yes, it's terrifying.
1: She's 18 and she's on her own in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Like, how is that a good idea?
0: Well, it's 8 p.m. 8 p.m. You don't think that very much is going to happen. It's still a little bit early.
1: It's still pitch black, though. And your black, boyfriend though. is
0: coming to pick you up. In 10 minutes. Yeah, I guess. It's like, yeah. It's a little bit insane on his part because who knows who could have walked up and bought something.
1: I think this is where he was, he's getting to the point where like, and it happened with Ted Bundy as well. And it happens Mm -hmm. with like loads of serial killers where the urge to kill basically gets like so strong that they start taking ridiculous risks that they wouldn't have taken before. Because yeah. they just need to do it, and so like right. that happened with Ted Bundy, really, like you know, and he went into like the Kai Omega house. That yeah. was just a frenzy. Whereas before, he was right. really calculated and would like, you know, have a ruse and stuff.
0: Unhinged.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: So he had her in his truck, tied up. He then went back to the coffee stand and grabbed Koenig's cell phone, and then drove her to his house and hid her in his shed where he sexually assaulted her and then strangled her to death. He left her body in the shed for two weeks while he went on a cruise out of New New Orleans the next day. Koenig's disappearance sparked a massive search. There was security footage inside of the coffee shop that caught the kidnapping. However, police did not release it straight away. They also had security footage of Keys retrieving Koenig's cell phone, showing that after they had Left the stand. Koenig's boyfriend arrived only four minutes later. Oh no! Which is heartbreaking.
1: Ugh. I mean, I don't. To be honest, though, I don't know what you would have done because Keyes yeah. manages to subdue Bill and Lorraine Correa, and he was gonna right. kidnap the guy anyway. So, like, he probably saved his own life by not being there at the right time.
0: He probably did, but how much guilt would you have?
1: Oh, yeah. apparently. They that were you. Apparently they were having an argument as well. Yeah. Over text or something. Like, they, they weren't getting on at the time. So you would feel like shit for that as well.
0: I know. So Koenig's family put up posters and did interviews on the news to find their daughter. They held candlelight vigils and offered a reward fund. And this is one of the things that you can see online. Oh. A comment that he leaves. Really? over time when they couldn't find her there was an article in the Anchorage Alaska news about how an owner of a strip club said whoever finds her they can have this they can have my strip club he he offered it as a reward wow yeah and supposedly a person who their name was Israel in the comments yeah said like oh this is really sad what kind of person would come out and admit that they were the owner of a strip club it's gross and
1: uh, like you're really calling people gross
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally i know just kind of condemning it and yeah that's just one of the news articles that he supposedly commented on
1: ah and josh hallmark as well uh he looks at like all the other missing persons cases that could be Israel Keys. And he says mm-hmm. that um he when he's looking, he'll look at articles and see if there's any comments. Like yes. because Israel yeah. Keys used to do that.
0: Right. And there was another well, I'll get into that. So police looked closely at, at Koenig's ex-boyfriend who she had filed a restraining order against. And there was another article on that as well, which Israel Keys supposedly commented on as well do you know what he said about how he said something about and i think this is really telling about what was actually in his head and Mm -hmm. why he did this because he's never admitted why he did these things he just Mm -hmm. said to the police like why not but it was a comment about how it was i'm totally not saying what he said but it was about how people shouldn't be fake when you meet them and how if they come off as a, a certain way at first, and then you find out later that that's not really how they are, then they deserve what they get. Jeez, it's, who's that about? Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. It Well, I think that it's kind of a sign of like how he felt about women, maybe. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, that was another comment that I read mm. on an archived news article. So obviously it wasn't Koenig's ex-boyfriend, but the article was about the police looked closely at him. Yeah. Coffee baristas around Alaska began keeping an eye out for suspicious customers, posting pictures and descriptions to keep a database of potential kidnappers. So a lot of people in Alaska were
1: uh, a little bit scared. That's like you look weird, stick him on the list. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that list. It's just like weird old white guys. <laughs>
0: So when Keyes returned to Anchorage after his two-week cruise, he took a Polaroid photo of Koenig. In this photo, he held up a four-day-old Anchorage newspaper next to Koenig, who he had propped up, and fast forward, if you don't like squeamish things. This is gross. Yes. He brushed her hair, he propped her up, he applied makeup to her. And he sewed her eyelids open to make it appear as though she was still alive and she was awake.
1: Fucking hell. Yes.
0: And I obviously in research, I did not want to see it, but I saw the picture. Yeah,
1: I saw the picture as well. Like, I've heard that there's a fake picture going around. They're like, oh, that's not real. Yeah. But then so basically, like, one of the comments was he plaited her hair and apparently like she never wore her hair like that ever so they were like we know like something's weird about this yeah so but i mean if even if he like abducted her and didn't kill her he could have plaited her hair like he's fucking weird so he could have been like i want to plait your hair or something but right yeah so weird
0: if someone made a fake yeah like that's weird too that
1: is weird i didn't really (laughs) think about that Yeah, that is really creepy. Like, what are you doing in your spare time? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, really horrible detail. And even more horrible because he did it to give people hope when there was none.
0: Right. And there was, it was two weeks after. And some people I remember, I think it was in True Crime Bullshit, talked about, like, her body would have started decomposing, but... We have to remember that it was Alaska, and Alaska is fairly cold
1: in February. Yeah, so So... you just frozen in his shed. Yeah.
0: He then typed a ransom note demanding $30,000 from Koenig's family on the back of a photocopy of the photo. He left the note at a dog park and sent a text message to Koenig's boyfriend on her cell phone with directions of where he'd left the note. So I mean, again, you'd be getting getting convinced.
1: You'd be convinced she was alive. Like it's fucking horrible. Yeah. He just doesn't yeah. give a shit. No, everything he just is a game. To save
0: his own skin.
1: He is like completely and utterly devoid of emotion.
0: Yeah, it makes you wonder how his girlfriend, like, what was that relationship like?
1: I think he had weird relationships with the girl with both of his girlfriends because he had. Tammy who was the mother of his daughter and yeah. they ha- they had a weird relationship whereby like Tammy was a drug addict and so she was right. like in and out of his life like they were very off and on yeah. and right. he also had like in the second relationship that he had which was a woman called oh I can't because okay i think but anyway Kristen she was 35 and she was like a traveling saleswoman she had her own life basically and she was right, always away. Right. I don't know if she was a saleswoman, but she was always away. And yeah. she would, like, pay for his flights with her air miles and stuff. Am I ruining your story?
0: No, not at all. Because okay. I, I specifically didn't look into the girlfriends because I it has nothing to do with them. They, they've gotten into this horrible situation and it wasn't their choice at all. Yeah, they had zero idea. So, uh, yeah, you didn't ruin anything because I didn't do any research on them. Okay. <laughs> I you know more than me on that point <laughs> yeah
1: but basically he would choose women based on how much commitment they wanted from him and how much they wanted him around and Tammy was a drug addict so didn't they weren't going to like build a family together and then right. wasn't expected to be like a conventional like dad and then his other girlfriend like just they didn't really see each other that much she was always out and about so he chose them based yeah, on that
0: it explains a lot Mm-hmm. But just an in interaction, that's what I wonder too. No matter how much time you spent with him, what was your interaction as a girlfriend?
1: But it's a bit like Ted Bundy, isn't it? Like they learn to be charming.
0: Yeah. They learn, yeah. like it's
1: fake. It's just like glib. It's fake charm. Right. They've just seen right. someone else be like it or, or they tell you what you want to hear. Or yeah. like a lot of the time they gaslight you and say, if you get suspe- if you get suspicious of anything, they're like, you're crazy.
0: Yes. And he would do that. It's, that's your fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Koenig's family quickly paid the ransom. However, Keys was already in the process of dismembering Koenig's body and disposing it in the frozen Matanuska Lake, just north of Anchorage. All the while, supposedly Keys continued to post comments on several news stories online of Koenig's disappearance.
1: And what those f- are the ones that I mentioned. What a fucking loser. Yeah. Just such a child.
0: (laughs) Keys then left Anchorage again, traveling to Texas to attend his sister's wedding. And apparently, I don't know how true this is, but it was just one line that I read in an article. Apparently at this wedding, he went on a rant mid-ceremony about how he didn't believe in God. Yeah, I heard
1: that too. And I didn't realize it was (laughs) mid-ceremony. But yeah, he lost it at the wedding. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't know how true it is that it was like, mid-ceremony as she's like walking down the aisle <laughs> like,
1: his family seemed weird anyway like i'm sure they're used to that kind yeah. of shit
0: <laughs> but i did read about how one of his sisters tried to talk him out of being an atheist and that's probably when it happened where yeah. he went on the rant yeah um so while keys was in the southwest he had used koenig's stolen debit card at several atms in arizona and new mexico as he had rented a car and driven to Texas. One ATM caught him using the card and also caught the license plate of the rented car. See, this is risky. Exactly. It's, For it's him. It's kind of like he subconsciously wanted to get caught.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Like it was stupid. He made stupid mistakes. Really
1: sloppy. For somebody who ki- hides a kill kit and then goes back to it two years later, yeah. that is ridiculously stupid.
0: Right. Which makes me think that he started to think that he had to stop.
1: Yeah, he yeah, unra- like, unraveled.
0: Who was that murderer? Oh, who's the one? It was in Minnesota, and he would- Weepy whisper. voice killer. Yes, and he was yeah. like, you have to stop me doing this. I can't yeah, stop. Yeah, d- he's
1: like, he's like, he's got the fucking most stupid voice, is not he? Like, that's why he's he called does. the weepy voice killer, but he's like- <laughs> please, I, he's like, please I'm, stop me. I've done it again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Horrible, too, though. I kind of want you to cover him a little bit, because that's like, it's your hometown.
0: It is. Yeah, we will sometime soon. Yeah. Okay, so these stupid mistakes led authorities to Texas and Keyes was arrested in Lufkin, Texas on March 16th, 2012, a full month and a half after Koenig was abducted. Keyes was extradited back to Alaska, where he was held on credit card fraud charges. They couldn't hold him on murder charges yet, so they just took him back for credit card charges.
1: Chucked any old thing back there. Yeah.
0: While in custody, Keyes admitted to the murder of Koenig. Investigators pressed him for the location of her body, and he led them to the frozen lake, where he had used a chainsaw to cut a hole in the ice to hide the body. FBI also went to Keyes' home, where they examined the shed for evidence. On April 2nd, Koenig's body was found in the lake, and on April 18th, 2012, Keyes was charged for the kidnap and murder of Koenig. As Keyes awaited trial, police and FBI accumulated over 40 hours in the interrogation room with him. He often gave cryptic answers, not forthcoming with information, as he wanted to ensure that no news came out of his murders, and that his daughter and girlfriend was protected from anything that came out. Although ambiguous on the number, he did admit to killing more people, including four in Washington and one person on the East Coast, where he disposed of the body in New York. Investigators believe this to possibly be Deborah Feldman, a 49-year-old woman last seen at her home in New Jersey in April 2009 and was res- reported missing shortly after. Mm-hmm. Keyes' search history had shown that he had Googled her name several times, but did not come up with any results, as he spelled her name wrong. Idiot. He spelled it, yeah, he spelled it D-E-B-O-R-A-H, and she spelled her name D-E-B-R-A. Yeah. Keyes admitted to the teenage girl that he sexually assaulted as a teen and then let her go. He also claimed not to know the names of some of the people he abducted and murdered. However... I don't find this to be true because he would go back and Google
1: yeah. cases. So he I had to have known. I think that's a lie.
0: Yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> he alluded to some individuals that he murdered who were just reported missing from a boating or hiking accident. However, again, he did not give names or locations on these individuals. So that's still up in the air.
1: This is why I don't want to go to national parks. It's fucking apps. It's lethal, man. Israel Keys is hiding under a tree with his fucking kill kit, and then they make out that it was like a mountain lion. Yeah. Are you going to try and defend national parks, Rach? Because you're never going <laughs> to convince I just love
0: me. hike. I love hiking, and I love going to national parks. And
1: what do you take with you? Like, it's- do
0: you? I don't really.
1: In terms of safety,
0: anything,
1: <laughs> Rachel. It's not
0: Talisa. It's not. I'm not like going foraging and off trail. It's it's a uh, just tra- like a lot of national parks are pretty busy with people who are hiking.
1: Well, you know, if, you're,
0: if you're safe about it and you go between nine a.m. and four p.m. Before it gets dark, then oh, I hate it. pretty okay.
1: Oh, I, I don't know if it's like you know you have like cognitive bias where like I believe that national parks are lethal, and so I keep finding things that prove me to be right. <laughs> like, and it's like you don't think they are, and so you're like, there's barely any stories, and I'm like, there's loads. I've seen them all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's stories, especially people who go off trail or go camping. Yeah, You know, I had friends who would go camping on non-camping sites, so they would just go drive somewhere, hike for a while, and then find a spot at the top of a mountain.
1: Horror film. Start of a horror film. (laughs) Yeah, I would never do that. No. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Anyway, in America, if it's not fucking Israel Keys waiting with a, like, cult gun, it's like a bear (laughs) waiting to maul you or a mountain lion, or a fucking bald eagle with its claws in your face. Like, a bald eagle. <laughs> in, Eng- in England, you get badgers, mate. You get badgers and foxes. Nice and safe.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. you have wolves, right? There's wolves no. there.
1: I no, no. No. They, they're they okay. all gone <laughs> they're all dead <laughs> i think so anyway someone will prove me wrong someone will fucking write in <laughs> but there are there are one i think you'll find <laughs> <laughs> i'm only joking um please do my research for me um yeah
0: let us know
1: yeah let us know okay
0: you're right though there's a lot of space and places for people to hide petrifying yeah Uh, let's see. Hiking and boating accidents. Keyes' trial was prolonged as investigators probed for more information. And on December 2nd of 2012, Keyes was found dead in his cell from suicide, cutting his wrists and strangling himself with bedsheets. He left a rambling suicide note that left no clues to the murders he committed or why he committed them. Investigators also found a stack of papers under Keyes' mattress on each of the 11 pages keys had drawn a skull in his own
1: blood oh my god these are so fucking shit <laughs> it's,
0: it's like a 5 year old yeah did this and then um and there you go yeah on, <laughs> on the 12th page was a picture of like it looks like a goat head or something
1: yeah uh, i mean in they're not star. clues they're not clues
0: yeah <laughs> it, uh, yeah whatever you're trying to do dude everyone thinks you're trash so he it re- is his child's painting. he also
1: like his fucking suicide note is like the most embarrassing kids poem like a oh teenage it's like an emo teenagers like yeah. poem it's so right. cringe to read
0: right oh also on one of the pages under one of the skulls Uh, So each of them had a cross drawn on the heads and below one of the skulls on one of the pages he had inscribed,
1: we are one. Why has he got so much fucking paper? Like,
0: (laughs) And just finger painting, you finger painted these. How, how lame is that? (laughs) in your own blood (laughs) reading the suicide note and then having this and it says we are one on the bottom and then one of them is like a goat's head it's like in in another world if he did not do this he would be a major nerd yeah (laughs) he really would fan fiction for star trek or something absolutely
1: yeah you've nailed it also, he—if you um, seen like the—he ep- reminds me of Sideshow Bob in The Simpsons. You seen the episode where like <laughs> where Sideshow Bob is like writing Bart like death threats in his own blood? Yes. And then he yeah. like like starts writing like a shopping list as well. Then he like ticks off like corn cob holders, <laughs> and then he just faints. And then Snake comes over and goes, "Use a pen, Sideshow Bob."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. stupid. Stupid and gross. Again, why has he
1: got all that fucking paper yeah. in there?
0: And they also said Samantha Koenig's father, he said something about this as well. Keyes was apparently accidentally given a real razor <gasps> yeah. rather than a like a shaving razor.
1: I mean, so he was how, like, frust- how did
0: that accidentally happen?
1: Yeah. And how fucking frustrated would you be? Yeah. It's like Fred West killed himself before he got right. to trial. So did Harold yeah. Shipman. Jeffrey Epstein yeah. it's like these yeah. people should be on hardcore suicide watch
0: Epstein didn't kill himself
1: <laughs> 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 hashtag hashtag yeah well you know what I mean the point's still the same escape justice yeah
0: exactly and just find out more clues like yeah. that, that's the only reason you should keep,
1: keep him alive, alive is to find out is what to they did find out more yeah
0: right so, two days after Keyes' suicide, the police released a detailed account of Koenig's abduction and murder, including the footage of the kidnapping and the ransom photos. Ugh. Eight years on, investigators continue to look into the murders of Israel Keys, searching for his kill kits and further clues into his life and travels. I wanted to end on something other than Keys. Okay. So, Samantha Koenig's family had a memorial service for her on April 22, 2012. Koenig's father, James, criticized the corrections department in failing to keep Keyes alive, saying that they were robbed their day in court. Yeah. On the other hand, the Courier family were grateful that they were saved the many days in court, saying that Keyes' suicide was the best thing that could have happened. And that is the story, the very short story, of Israel Keys, extremely
1: condensed. It was really good. Well done. There was like Thanks. you hit all the main points and there was stuff in there that I'd never yep. heard before as well. So yeah, great job. Like honestly, I know you should be careful what you wish for, but right now I'm like, I really want to be made redundant so that I can just spend all day researching Israel keys and doing stuff for the podcast <laughs> and like I've just bought an N sixty four and I just want to complete Zelda <laughs> Ocarina of time to one hundred percent. Like I've got so many hobbies and like every time like I started being a real creep and like writing stuff down from the the true crime bullshit podcast being like I'm gonna google that later then I'm like you need to stop googling murders on your fucking work laptop (laughs) if my work looked at my work history like my googling history they would be like we should be really worried about her
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know how police look at your, uh, oh your search history after yeah. you die in case is, it, it has any clues? That's what I'm terrified that's of. That's my
1: nightmare. <laughs> that's my ghost nightmare. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's like that woman who Chris Watts was, like, having an affair with, Nicole Kassinger. Yeah. she was Googling, yeah. like, how to prepare for anal sex and stuff, and now that's all come out. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, no. What goes on between you and Google is supposed to be private and sacred. Yeah. <laughs> like no one. I'd, that's almost like looking through someone's phone. Like, I don't want to see someone I know's Google history. I'm. It would make it's you like, fucking vom.
0: <laughs> it's like looking at your therapist notes. Like, whatever you talk uh, uh, about with your therapist should not come out. The same as Google. Absolutely <laughs> private.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is, the thought of my Google history coming out is nightmarish.
0: Well, we have a true crime podcast, so that's reason for that.
1: That's my excuse there.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> with those things.
1: Yeah. Okay, Rach, I'm just going to go because I'm not joking. This is so fucking long. I worked on it Get for like it. about three or four days, like in the evening. So
0: same with mine. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was forever. thinking,
1: I was thinking, how can I cut stuff out? Like, yeah. what can I cut out? And then. You can't. Uh, no, not really. Because basically he had victims that, he killed and he had victims that he attempted to kill, but they got away. And I was like, maybe I should take out the victims that he didn't kill. But it's like, that's really unfair. And yeah, you just need to see like the whole, uh, like the whole picture of what a piece of shit he was. Because otherwise it makes it sound like he did less than he did when it it was so bad. So
0: I'm excited for your details because I don't know that many details about him. I just know okay. he's a horrible person.
1: So oh, yeah. Yeah, lay it all
0: on me, Talisa. Oh, okay, well,
1: careful what you wish for, <laughs> Rachel. Right, so this is um the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe. Okay. Okay, so Peter William Sutcliffe was born on the 2nd of June in 1946 in Bingley in Yorkshire, which is just like way up north. I've never been that up north. So his parents, were, <laughs> his parents were John and Kathleen Sutcliffe and they were working class Catholics and they bought Peter up Catholic as well, which is an interesting detail to note because it gives you all kind of weird shit about sex yeah. and women, I think, Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he left school at age 15 and he was reportedly a loner. He went on to have a few menial jobs like factory work and he was also a traveling salesman. Um, And at one point, like, so, you know, there's like, oh, they were in the army. Like, that's a point for us. That's like a true crime bingo. Yes. Well, he was a grave digger. (laughs) Like, oh, definite true crime bingo. So people said he had a macabre sense of humor, but otherwise he seemed pretty normal. And that's the thing about him. Like, I couldn't find any details. Like, you know, Israel Keys when he was a kid, tortured animals and stuff. Like, there's nothing really like that. So, yeah in sorry so when Sutcliffe was 21 he met 16 year old Sonia Surma and they met at a pub disco in Bradford in 1966 and a year later they were engaged and then in 1969 23 uh, year old Sutcliffe was driving with his friend Trevor Birdsall. and Trevor is his friend like throughout this whole thing he's like his best friend um, okay. so he features in the story quite a lot Sutcliffe explained that he'd been conned out of money by a sex worker and he thought he saw her and said that he was going to go and get his money back. So he hopped out of the van after her and then out of Trevor's sight. And when he came back, he was out of breath and told Trevor to drive. So when Trevor asked what happened, Sutcliffe said he'd followed the woman into a garage and hit her over the head with a stone in a sock. just like, Trevor's just like, okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Don't. Um, Anyway, uh, the next day the police visited Sutcliffe at his house and it turned out the woman had seen Trevor's license plate and the police found Sutcliffe through that. He admitted that he hit the woman but said it was just with his hand. And luckily for Sutcliffe, the woman didn't want press charges because she was a known sex worker. So she didn't want anyone else, like, she didn't want to, like, draw attention to herself, basically. And also there was a chance people wouldn't believe her. So mm. on the 10th of August, 1974, 28-year-old Sutcliffe married Sonia. They, try, they did try to get pregnant, but unfortunately she had several miscarriages and was told that she couldn't have children, which is for the best because nobody wants to be the child of yeah. this guy. <laughs> in 1975, on the night of July the 4th, Sutcliffe had driven alone to the centre of Keeley in Bradford. There, he attacked 36-year-old Anna Rogalskij, I don't know. It's, I think it's a Polish name. It's R-O-G-U-L-S-K-Y-J.
0: Rogalski?
1: Rogolski. who was walking home after a night out at one thirty a.m. He hit her three times across the head with a hammer. And once she was on the ground, he lifted her top up and slashed across her abdomen. He was about to stab her oh in gosh. the stomach. Yeah, he, he has like a really specific M.O., He was about to stab her in the stomach when a man called out and asked what was happening. Sutcliffe ran, and Anna was left alive. So she was found by a passerby at two twenty a.m. It's like an hour later at Leeds General. Sorry, at Leeds General Infirmary, she survived a twelve-hour operation, which included the removal of splinters, bone from her brain, and at one point, she was given her last rites. So, get ready for a whole streak of that. This goes on for a long time. So on yeah. or, on August, the thing is, like, even when people survived his attacks because he smacked them around the head with a hammer and slashed at them, they were really bad injuries. Right. Life-changing injuries.
0: It's like that woman who was attacked by Ted Bundy. Yeah. She has brain injuries to this day.
1: Oh, God.
0: And it just sucks. It's like... You can't move on from it mentally because there's always this reminder.
1: And people are like, physically. oh, how did that happen? Or why is why are you like that? Yeah. Like, you right. have to answer, answer questions about your injuries. Awful. So um, on the night of August the 15th, 1975, Sutcliffe attacked 46-year-old cleaner Olive Smelt in Halifax. He saw her earlier in the pub when they were all out drinking and commented that she must be a sex worker. And she wasn't. He approached her when she was walking home and made small talk with her before hitting her with a hammer from behind. He then pulled up her clothes and made two slash marks about eight inches long on the top of her buttocks. Sutcliffe was disturbed by a car coming down the road and fled the scene. Olive told police that her attacker had a Yorkshire accent. So that will become relevant later. He so, sounds
0: also very skittish. Like he hears one sound and he scurries away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He gets a, gets more brazen, though. Goes on. Mm-hmm. So on the 27th of August, Sutcliffe attacked 14-year-old Tracy Brown in Silsden, Bradford, while she was walking home. He hit her five times while she was walking along a country lane with a hammer. And then he ran off when he saw lights of a passing car. But he left her needing brain surgery. She survived and was able to give a good description of Sutcliffe to the police. She's 14, Whoa. walking home from school. So oh gosh. the fourth victim and the first to be killed by Sutcliffe was twenty-eight year old Wilma McCann on the thirtieth of October. Wilma was from Leeds and she had four he'd left her four children at home and got out drinking. She thumbed for a lift and Sutcliffe picked her up. She asked him if he wanted business do not get in hitchhiker's cars. Oh. <laughs> you were shaking your head then, And I was like, I know exactly what you're doing, shaking your head at.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that was a thing in the seventies.
1: Bizarre so. that it was ever a thing considering how many people died or got sexually attacked as a result. Yeah. So she asked him if he wanted business in air quotes, and she said it would cost him five pounds and he agreed. So they went to a playing field and he led, his coat down for them to have sex on. Sutcliffe then struck her twice with a hammer before stabbing her 15 times in the neck, chest, and stomach. Wilma's body was found at 7.40am the following morning by a milkman and his 10-year-old younger brother. Oh, no. Yeah. Wilma McCann was found lying on her back, her trousers down by her knees, and her bra lifted up. The police conducted 11,000 interviews but were no closer to finding the murderer. Sutcliffe later...
0: 11,000?
1: Yeah. They had their thumbs firmly up their arse in terms of like how well they did on this. Like it, they did yeah. such a shit job and wasted so much time and money. Oh my gosh! Um, Sutcliffe later Sorry. said, he- "What?
0: <laughs> Sorry, I just keep interrupting with like no, that's fine, dude.
1: That's our podcast. Like, otherwise, it would just be <laughs> me talking into a microphone for like forty-five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but like,
0: I-, I was just thinking, like." Eleven thousand interviews and nothing you didn't get anything from any of those interviews? No. That's all that's like half of a town.
1: Yeah. I don't know what they were doing in the interviews. Right. Having a cup of tea and a laugh. Like honestly. <laughs> right. Useless. So Do
0: you watch the football? No.
1: Okay. Thanks, off you bye. off you go next <laughs> So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um Sutcliffe later said he killed Wilma because she was taunting him that he couldn't perform sexually. Which A, even if she was no big deal. And yeah. B, I don't think she was. I think like no. you're a liar and you want an excuse as to why you uh, fucking bludgeon women to death because you've literally right. got no reason. Yeah. And that's that's so common as well, isn't it? It's and such a common then, excuse. Like,
0: oh, okay. I get it.
1: Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> No, I mean, it's such a common excuse as well for serial killers. Like I'm trying to think of another right. person. Keith Jessupson the happy smiley face killer right he said that if women taunted him about not being able to get a boner he would that's why he would kill them and it's like and who 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 does that last week
0: yeah uh women don't tend to do that
1: do they like
0: no i think men who possibly have this is my theory men who have that problem are already they already have a heightened sense of yeah. So
1: anything, uh, even like a look, a,
0: any kind, yeah, like, yeah, a look or like a little giggle or like feeling uncomfortable,
1: yeah, could
0: be Set construed them off. to them as them a Being negative mocked. experience for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's why I'm like, get over it, guys. Get over yourself.
1: Oh, honestly, fragile <laughs> masculinity. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, also, like, I don't care if you can get a boner. Just be nice to me and don't cheat on me. Yeah, That's literally right. all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care if you have a noodle dick for the next 10 years of our relationship.
0: Right. <laughs> we'll work on this together.
1: It's exactly. fine. Get a dildo <laughs> and get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Women don't care about penises anywhere near as much as men do. No. A thousand percent no. It, it's about... 10 million down on my list of things I give a fuck about. <laughs> like, <laughs> below it is like yeah. dust. <laughs>
0: like, right. Anyway. If it happens, you're like, oh, okay, moving on. There's no lasting effect for women. No,
1: not at all. In that
0: situation.
1: No. Couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I've never met women a woman that does either. No. Every, every woman I talk to has the same opinion, which is, I really don't care. You care more than I do. Right. It's um, okay.
0: These five minutes will pass.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to cry myself to sleep because you couldn't fuck me today. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Right. Sorry. So he said that he said that he killed her because she was laughing at him, which I don't know. I don't think I believe that. So in in January 1976, Sutcliffe murdered 42 year old Emily Jackson. She was a part time sex worker, a detail that was only revealed when it was published in the paper after her murder. to The shock of her friends and family. Her husband, Sydney, had financial troubles and they both agreed that this was a quick way to earn money. So Sutcliffe saw Emily around 7 p.m. And she said it would cost five pounds. Like, five pounds is the going rate for sex in Bradford in 1976. Every single one that doesn't seem like a lot. It. I mean, you've got to factor in inflation. I think it was. Do you yeah. know what? I'm going to Google how much was five pounds in
0: 1976. Okay. Just out I of curiosity, bet you was like maybe you're going to take I'm bets? Guess around
1: 150. No, I think it'd be like 75. I think it'd be 35. <laughs> And you think it's 150? Oh. I don't think I'm right just because I live in England. Like, I don't have any idea. I'm guessing.
0: I, I don't either. I'm guessing too. But to someone in Bradford at that time,
1: like, what can it get 100 you? Bucks, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not that much. So I know I was I was bloody close with 35. Really? It's 40 pounds. Oh. Yeah but you know I've watched a program recently and it was it's called like um death in the red light district or something like that and it's on BBC and there's um sex workers in like up north uh, there's like one street in England where sex work is legal like well like solicit sorry pardon me soliciting is legal so you can stand on the street and tout for sex like that's fine there because paying for sex isn't illegal in england it's soliciting that's illegal so right standing on the street and offering sex to people for money that's illegal so um anyway the women on this program are like nearly all of them are really hardcore drug addicts and they honestly charge like i think it's like a 10 or 20 quid for a blowjob and like 40 quid for full sex so it kind of like marries up like the rate hasn't yeah. changed that much. They're not like high court. They're not like high class escorts. Like,
0: right. And I guess if there's more,
1: like more people know, around, it a, drives the price. Right.
0: If exactly, if there's more choice, then you're gonna lower your rates. Yeah, and like
1: apparently there was some like foreign sex workers that showed up, and they were charging less than the English ones, and the women were like, oh. "You fucking bitches!" Like, <laughs> like really <laughs> angry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's about 40 quid, which I think it's for
0: that oh, time <sighs> though, and for a loaf of bread cost 5 pence, then that 40 quid is a lot for like yeah. a week of yeah, like, whatever you Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Need. And plus like if I don't know, it's not going to take that long. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. you do not right. you're not hanging around. <laughs> like, you're not like having a chat and lighting candles and stuff. You're, not, you're like
0: It's not a full hour
1: no it's like get in as soon as you come get off me that's it yeah so yeah it's transaction to the next one yeah right right so you can make a lot of money in a night true yeah she and she got in his car and they drove and parked on a piece of derelict land and he said later that her cheap perfume was enraging him and made him want to kill her even more so like his misogyny is off the charts he just fucking hates women
0: I'm shaking my head so much. Right I know, now.
1: I know. But That's like, why I'm
0: not saying anything.
1: Those are the details that like, I want to leave in, just to show you what his yeah. motivation was, you know? What um, a douchebag he is. And how unreasonable that is. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You don't have to get in your car. You don't have to fuck her. Right. No one's got a gun to your head. You chose, anyway. So... You
0: chose all of this. Yeah. So if you can't deal with cheap perfume, then you need to grow some balls.
1: Yeah. That's his problem though, isn't it? Rachel, he'd hammer you in the back of the head. (laughs) That comment. Oh my God. So um, this is, again, I feel like I should warn people, this is fucking savage, this one, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, Sutcliffe pretended that his car wouldn't start. And when Emily went out to help him, he hit her twice with his hammer and when she passed out, he dragged her into a yard and pushed up her clothes and pulled down her pants. And with a screwdriver, he stabbed her 52 times in the neck, breasts, lower abdomen and back. Then he found a piece of wood and thrust it between her legs. Mm. So she was found at eight the it's next morning. Issues. It's rage. It's like pure rage killing. It's not like Israel Keys where he savors the experience of killing right. someone. It's like... right. He's just he's got angry this
0: about something.
1: boiling rage that needs to come out, basically. So yeah, yeah. she was she was found at eight the next morning and police found a boot mark on her inner thigh where he's like stamped on her and I mm. identified that as a Dunlop Wellington boot, which was size seven to eight. They quickly link her murders with Wilmer's. And then his next victim was on the 9th of May 1976, and that was 20 year old Marcella Claxton in Roundhay Park, Leeds. She was walking home from a party at 4am and accepted an offer of a lift home from Sutcliffe. When she got out of his car to urinate, he hit her from behind with a hammer and she required extensive brain surgery and needed 52 stitches to close the wounds in her head. After this, she suffered from intermittent blackouts and chronic depression. Despite her appalling injuries, her description of Sutcliffe was fairly accurate describing him as a young white man with crinkly black hair and a beard with a Yorkshire accent. Note, she said Yorkshire accent. Um, she reported he said he didn't live in Leeds and that he was driving a white car with red upholstery.
0: Good job to her. I know.
1: She did really well. After the yeah. un- after the unsuccessful attack on Marcella, Sutcliffe seemed to go into a period of inactivity with his next known attack not taking place until 271 days later. Um, and every time... I think he changed his car like three times. Every time somebody said he's got this color car, he would get a new car.
0: That's suspicious in itself. Yep. Considering how expensive cars are. Like, well, I don't, we haven't changed. I wouldn't change my car for 10 years.
1: We've had this discussion or though. More. Because I said I got a car for 500 quid and you were like, what? Like, yeah. In England, in England <laughs> you can buy a car for 500 quid yeah that's really easily i don't know what's happening in america but you're getting shafted (laughs) because cheap cars over here are like everywhere but anyway yeah
0: you can get them cheap here too but i'm also thinking in the 70s they weren't as widespread in the 70s probably not walked a lot of places and biked a lot of places more than they do now
1: yeah but i mean he might have just like so it is well, It is suspicious, but he might have just like sold his car for like an equal value one because he yeah. just needs the color and the look of it to change. Basically. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, on the 5th of February 1977, Sutcliffe attacked Irene Richardson, a 28 year old sex worker from Chapel Town, Leeds, on almost the exact same spot as Marcella. Irene was bludgeoned to death with a hammer. Once she was dead, Sutcliffe mutilated her corpse with a knife. Instead of quickly leaving the scene, as in his previous attacks, he took the time to rearrange her clothes and boots and cover her body with a coat. At 7.30am, Irene Richardson was found lying face down. The coat she had been wearing had been draped over her buttocks and legs, with only her feet showing. Her bra was still in position, but her skirt had been pulled up. She had severe downward strokes, and this is grim. In fact, I might not even say it. Uh,
0: You can whisper it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um basically he'd um disemboweled her a bit like jack the ripper did his victims okay so near the body the police discovered an important clue there were tire tracks left near the murder scene i mean this is in the 70s when like all you could do was get fucking hair tire tracks fingerprints
0: yeah that's it right And the same MO. Shoe prints. If someone's doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, so basic. (laughs) Right. And then you basically have to look how many cars there are of that, like, tire brand. Like, oh, my God, it's just so long. So, two months later, on the 23rd of April, 1977, Sutcliffe killed 32-year-old Patricia Atkinson by smacking her around the head with a hammer and stabbing and mutilating her body. She was a sex worker from Bradford who had taken Sutcliffe back to her flat. Police found a boot print on the bed and the print matched the boot mark found on Emily Jackson. So they connected those murders as well. And she was the only victim that was killed inside a house. Everybody else was killed outside. But I think that's because he's opportunistic, isn't he? Like he sees somebody, he follows them and then he kills them or he finds a sex worker and then they go somewhere like abandoned. So he doesn't have like any witnesses. Um.
0: He's
1: not calculated. No, it's really off the cuff, I feel. Or like, he will go out like hunting for a victim, but then it's whoever comes along Mm. that he can get away with doing it to. So the next month, Sutcliffe seriously assaulted 42-year-old Maureen Long in Bradford on July 10th at 3 a.m. She accepted his offer of a lift home. And when she asked if he fancied her, I mean, this is coming. Oh no, sorry, because she survived. So I thought it was just coming from him, but she did survive so she accepted his offer of a lift home and when she asked if he fancied her and he said yes they went to a nearby waste ground to get more cozy when she left the car to urinate Sutcliffe hammered her in the head and stabbed her several times She didn't die however and was found the next morning she was suffering from hypothermia and was in hospital for nine weeks Peter was sure he'd be caught but later found out Maureen was suffering from amnesia so that was lucky a witness misidentified the make of his car, resulting in more than 300 police officers checking thousands of cars without success. Guys, fucking, come on. what are you doing? So, yeah. during this time, his wife Sonia was training to be a teacher. However, their marriage faced a struggle when Sonia had an affair with an ice cream man. Um,. <laughs> So
0: I was not expecting that little tidbit.
1: I know, <laughs> but you don't know, like you don't have ice cream men in America, do you? Like an ice cream yeah, truck? Have, yeah, yeah. Do. So, but we would would you say, oh, it's the ice cream man? Like when the yeah. uh, when you hear the music? Yeah. Okay. All right. I didn't think you did, but fair enough. Um, so you know exactly what you know exactly what he does and who he is. So right. uh, <laughs> he and Sonia moved into their house, which cost them sixteen thousand pounds. In September 1977, that's how much the house cost in Bradford in 1977. Whoa! <laughs> I know. Before this, they were living with Sonia's parents, and five days after they moved into the house, he committed his sixth murder. Sonia's studies to become a teacher were interrupted by treatment for schizophrenia, and she had a reputation for being prickly and demanding. Yeah, no one likes so- Son- no one likes Sonia. <laughs> basically, <laughs> like there's a website that I stumbled across, and it's like completely saying that Sutcliffe was taking out all his rage for Sonia on sex workers and it's basically her fault.
0: And I was oh like, my what the
1: fuck is this shit website on about? I was like, did that Patreon who hates women write this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly what I was
1: thinking. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you've come to that conclusion, but wow. it's his wife's fault. Okay, what if she was a bitch? Uh, (laughs) Plenty of people have bitch wives. (laughs) Anyway, one author claimed that she was prone to having unprovoked outbursts of rage, resulting in Sutcliffe having to contain her physically by pinning her arms to her side. But she was diagnosed with schizophrenia, so that could be a mental health issue.
0: Nothing to do with anyone else. No. If he couldn't handle it, that's his problem.
1: Leave her. Don't... Yeah hammer people in the back of the head right but anyway also
0: would this was happening before her anyway right
1: Oh uh, no it was during no it was during yeah yeah i'll cut I, that out because
0: yeah it's <laughs> <That's> okay <laughs> you're allowed to make question. mistakes rachel <laughs> no <laughs> it's
1: not this a, a dumb dumb question, question. <laughs> it's not anyway um you're editing so do what you want on the first of, <laughs> none, of my biz, none of my bees. none of my beeswax on the, on the 1st of October, 1977, Sutcliffe murdered 20-year-old Jean Jordan, who was a sex worker from Manchester. She lived with her common-law husband, Alan, and their two children in a flat. She went out to ply her trade and ran into Sutcliffe, who paid her with a new £5 note. Jean put the note in the back zip section of her purse. In the field where she took him, Peter smashed around the head with a hammer 11 times. He was again disturbed and fled. So on his way back, he realized that the note could be traced because it had a serial number and he panicked that someone would find it. So this is quite Mm. good police work. He decided to sit it out and was expecting to see the murder in the news. However, nothing appeared in Monday's paper and he realized that no one had found Jean. So he went back to her body, leaving a family party to do so. So he like dropped his in-laws back at their house and then went and did this. Like,
0: I've just got to, uh I got to go buy some eggs. Bye.
1: He's honestly trawls the streets at like shit o'clock. Like, I don't know what his wife <laughs> thought he was doing. But yeah, he's just yeah. not in a lot of the time. Do
0: you think that she knew that he was seeing sex workers? Because it sounds like his best friend
1: knew. Yeah. It's really hard to tell because she's so private, right. even now. She's she's yeah. still alive. She's still This is a little bit of a spoiler, but like she still lives in the house that they bought for 16 grand. Yeah. I'll talk talk about this a bit later, but she's really weird. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what she was thinking. It's really hard to tell because she is such a strange character. He went back to the body looking for this five pound note and he couldn't find it. So he got frustrated and he pulled her clothes off, looking for the note as well. And when he couldn't find it, he started slashing at the corpse with a piece of glass that he found, in a rage. And he tried to cut her head off to throw the police into thinking that it was a different killer, but he couldn't manage it. And then he left. What? Yeah, he so, goes. W- but fucking what happened
0: shit. to the five five pound it, note? It was it's just, in, it's hidden too well in her purse. In the,
1: well, it's in like the back zip section of a pu- of a purse which I right. kind of feel like women would know where that is and they would know to look yeah. there. And a man doesn't know that <laughs> yeah. there's a little secret zip bit in most purses. Like, yeah. Yeah. men don't know that. So, because they don't have a handbag. So, yeah. Right. Um, so he just missed it, basically. Also, I think he was probably searching frantically and not very well because he was panicking. Yeah. yeah. Um. On the 9th of October at 10.30 a.m., two allotment holders, Mr. Morrissey and Bruce Jones, who would later play Les Battersby in the TV show Coronation Street. What? Yeah, discovered her body. How weird is that? That's so weird. I know. Google Les Battersby from the TV show Coronation Street. (laughs) He's so... He's just such a basic northern man. Oh, yeah.
0: I recognize him.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, weird Yorkshire Ripper connection. He was just
0: wandering around in a field
1: no he owned an an allotment oh and she was in the allotments yeah so they discovered the body which is really strange um the five pound note hidden in the secret compartment in jean's bag was traced to a particular bank and then police realized that only eight thousand employees could have received it in their wage packet so i don't know how they managed that but like yeah they did so, over three months, the police interviewed 5,000 men, including Sutcliffe. But he gave an alibi, the family party that he was at, and he was cleared of any suspicion. Uh, yeah. So,
0: guys, do your job.
1: Oh, I know. So, but you have to remember as well, these are sex workers, so they're not trying that hard.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. They are trying, but the urgency isn't there that would be there with people who aren't sex workers. Right. You know. On the 12th of November 1977, the Leeds Revolutionary Feminist Group organised a number of Reclaim the Night marches. This is what I told you about, do you remember? Yes. The group group criticised the police for victim blaming, especially the suggestion that women should remain indoors at night. They made the point that women should be able to walk anywhere without restriction and that they should not be blamed for men's violence. Maybe men should be given a curfew. Yeah. That was their argument. I agree. (laughs) So do I. So, yeah, I mean, if you can't be trusted not to smack a woman around the head with a hammer, maybe you shouldn't go out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If you have a hammer in your hand, then you should go home.
1: Yeah. So, on the 14th of December, (laughs) on the 14th of December, a sex worker, Marilyn Moore, was survived, but sorry, she was attacked, but she survived. He tried to hit her on the head. She's quite lucky. So he tried to hit her on the head with a hammer, but he lost his balance slightly and he only caught her with a glancing blow. She screamed loudly and Sutcliffe shouted, dirty prostitute bitch, as he hit her again.
0: Mm.
1: A dog barking and her scream scared him into leaving. She provided police with a description of her attacker and tire tracks found at the scene match those from an earlier attack. So in, in January 1978, Sutcliffe killed Yvonne Pearson, a 21-year-old sex worker from Bradford. After Yvonne had gotten out of the car, Sutcliffe hit her over the head several times with a hammer. At one point, he jumped down on her chest with the weight of both feet, and then he hid her by throwing soil on her body and then covering the makeshift grave with an old sofa. So he would always he would always go to, like, waste grounds, basically. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, debris about. Ten days later, he killed 18-year-old Helen Ripker, a sex worker from Huddersfield, he struck Ripcutt on the head five times as she exited his vehicle. He pulled her clothes up and repeatedly stabbed her in the chest. Her body was found three days later under some railway arches. Wow. He's on just the...
0: on a rampage.
1: Yeah. Any any woman that's like near him at night is fucked, basically. Mm-hmm. On the 16th of May, Sutcliffe killed 40-year-old Vera Millwood in an attack in the car park of Manchester Royal Infirmary, She was hit three times around the head and slashed across the stomach. After nearly another year's gap, on March the 2nd, 1979, Sutcliffe is believed to have attacked a 22-year-old student, Anne Rooney. She was hit three times in the back of the head and survived. She described her attacker and that matched Sutcliffe. Now it's getting ridiculous. Like, the survivors are all describing him. And if they're not describing him, they are dead with exactly the same injuries as the other women.
0: Right. What are the police doing at
1: night? <laughs> Not <laughs> looking after this guy. <laughs> yeah, like you'd think, but that's the thing—they're sex workers. So,
0: but even so, like
1: you'd have There'd to have patrol to the to red light a district certain
0: section exactly. There's there's a certain section of town always where they go, where men are going. Yeah. How easy would it be? You you could get a promotion again as a cop. <laughs> you caught the guy who's been doing this. Just go yeah. out and hang around.
1: Yeah. So on the 4th of April, 1979, Sutcliffe killed Josephine Whittaker, a 19-year-old building society clerk, as she was walking home from her grandparents' house. Sutcliffe hit Josephine from behind with his ball-peen hammer, which is basically like a hammer on one end and like a round bit on the other end. Yeah. So not a claw hammer, basically. Right. He then pulled her clothing back, turned her over, stabbed her 21 times with the screwdriver in the chest and stomach six times in the right leg, and then thrust the screwdriver into her vagina. Her skull had been fractured from ear to ear. After this murder, police received a tape in the post. A man with a Newcastle accent, claiming to be the Yorkshire Ripper, taunting the head of the investigation, a guy called George Oldfield, of the West Yorkshire Police. The tape contained a man's voice saying, I'm Jack, I see you're having no luck catching me. I have the greatest respect for you, George, but Lord, you're no nearer catching me now than four years ago when I first started. I've heard this tape and the accent is clearly a Newcastle accent. And Mm. about five people have said he had a Yorkshire accent, the guy that attacked me. Mm -hmm. And Newcastle, like, I don't know if you know what a Newcastle accent and a Yorkshire accent are like, but they're really different.
0: Yes, I do. Uh... And
1: really, uh, what's the word?
0: It's like saying, even though they're both in the north, it's like saying a Texas accent and a Louisiana accent. Yeah. They're both from the south, but they're very different from each other.
1: Yeah. And you can hear it immediately when someone starts to talk. You're not like, are they from there or are they from somewhere else? You're like, I know exactly where you're from. Right, right. Yeah. So after, sorry, so police began searching for a man with a Newcastle accent. Why are you doing that? That could be a yeah. nutter. You know it could. Anyway, right. George, Old, George Oldfield is the head of this investigation and he's fucking shit. So police began searching for a man with a Newcastle accent, particularly in an area called Wearside. They dubbed him Wearside Jack. He sent two letters to police and the Daily Mirror newspaper in March 1978. Fun fact, do you know who owned the Daily Mirror newspaper? Who? Ghislaine Maxwell's dad. Uh, Robert Maxwell owned the Daily Mirror newspaper and he would have owned it at that time. Why
0: do, st- why do so many evil people own
1: shitrag tabloid news- newspapers? <laughs> I know. Yeah. The devil himself.
0: Explo- yeah, they're <laughs> just Murdoch. exploiting the news. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fox.
1: Yeah. There's a really good show actually called The Rise of the Murdoch Dynasty on BBC. Mm. I watched that and it was so interesting, although it is like a who's who of human shit. Like every five minutes, really? I was, every five minutes I was like, "Oh, who is this prick on the telly?" Like Piers Morgan. <laughs> like, have yeah. you watched
0: Succession yet?
1: No, I really want to. Is it good? Uh you have. To, it's so good. Okay, it's I so will watch. I will watch that. Like ASAP. Might even watch an episode tonight, depending on when we yeah, finish. Good. Which will probably be fucking midnight at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> We're side Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daily Mirror. Yeah, they claim responsibility for the murder of. Tw- 26-year-old Joan Harrison in Preston in November 1975. At the time, the police thought wrongly that the murder wasn't public knowledge. But, spoiler, as you can tell, I've been through his murders in 1975 and Joan Harrison wasn't one of them. Mm. So, whoever murdered her wasn't the Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah. So, and the MO is completely different as well. Like, she wasn't hammered and then slashed. No. So, That should have been a clue. Right. On the 1st of September 1978, Sutcliffe murdered 20-year-old Barbara Leach, a Bradford University student. She left the pub at 12.45 and decided to walk home. Sutcliffe walked up behind her, hammered her in the head, lifted her clothes and stabbed her. Her body was dumped... Sorry, that was a really weird um, intonation on the word (laughs) was. Her body was dumped... No, her body was dumped (laughs) behind a house under a pile of bricks... It was his 16th attack, and as Barbara wasn't a sex worker, the police were under huge pressure to find her killer. Finally. Yeah. Honestly, there's there's some quotes at the end of this of how the police spoke about the victims, and it is so horrible. Um, Gross. Sutcliffe was interviewed on at least two other occasions by police in 1979. His car and tyres, description, his description, and being on the list of the 300 names in connection with the £5 note meant that he was interviewed nine times in total but he was never a strong suspect what? so his car and his tires match, the description matched him and he was on the list of the 300 people, they whittled it down to 300 people who could have had that five pound note what
0: more do you need? <sighs> should, should he has to be holding the hammer and it has to have blood on it for them to be like, here's the guy
1: well you'll see <laughs> okay <laughs> So, oh my god, really, I, have, I don't
0: know this very well.
1: I have tasted my own medicine and it is bitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in April 1980, Sutcliffe was arrested for drink driving. While awaiting, while awaiting trial, he killed two more women. Sutcliffe murdered 47-year-old Mark... Oh. Yeah, he's just... He's like, shit, I might be, I might be going to prison. but get some murders in. So... Oh. Buckliffe murdered 47-year-old Marguerite Walls on the 20th of August 1980. He hit her with a hammer shouting, filthy prostitute. He then put a rope around her neck and dragged her to a walled garden where he strangled her and stripped her naked. He left her covered in leaves. So that's a different MO. Yeah. Um, Strangling. Yeah. On the 24th of September, he attacked Apadya Bandara, a 34-year-old doctor on the and then on the 25th of October, he attacked Maureen Lee. And then on the 5th of November, he attacked 16-year-old Teresa Sykes, whose boyfriend- Holy shit. His boyfriend actually chased him away. Whoa. And he hid behind a wall, like cartoon style, basically, and waited for the boyfriend to like, run past.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: All of them survived, though. This
0: guy is brazen now. Yeah. He's, he's t- just like completely lashing out, unhinged.
1: Again, it's getting to like the Ted Bundy stage and the Israel Key stage Mm -hmm. where they get so desperate to do it that they're just like, fuck it. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to risk it. So on the 17th of November, 1980, he killed 20 year old Jacqueline Hill, a student at Leeds University. He hammered her in the head and stabbed her with a screwdriver. She was the last victim of the Yorkshire Ripper. So we're through them now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) We're done with the killing. (laughs)
0: I feel like my head hurts from hearing about so many of people getting hit in the
1: head. Dude, I was in lockdown. Like you can't go anywhere or see anyone. And I was like that. Yeah. How many more people? <laughs> <laughs> so um this is where it gets good because he gets caught. So okay. on, on the twenty fifth of November nineteen eighty, Sutcliffe's friend Trevor Birdsall, from the uh start, he mm-hmm. he reported Sutcliffe to the police as a suspect but the information was lost Uh. yeah on the second of you'll find out why later as well you'll find out why this was such a shit show so on the second of January 1981 Sutcliffe was stopped by the police with a 24 year old sex worker called Olivia Reavers in Broomhill Sheffield a police check showed that Sutcliffe's number plates were fake so he was arrested and taken to Dewsbury police station he was questioned again regarding the Yorkshire Ripper cases because he matched the photo fits so closely. And they probably knew him at this point because they'd interviewed him nine yeah. times. <laughs> the police became... Again, how much more do you need? It, like, I think at this point they're like, no, it really must be him. The photo fits do look exactly like him. Like, perfect. Yeah. They're perfect He's descriptions. he sex
0: worker in his car. Probably if they looked a little bit more, they would have found a hammer somewhere. They definitely
1: would have found a hammer it was under a seat okay. so yeah they didn't do that though um so the police became yeah yeah um the police became more suspect of him and the fact that he had he had asked to go and pee just before he was arrested so they returned to the scene and found that when he had gone to pee he had hidden a knife a hammer and a rope in the bushes so he just like had them on him. He also had hidden a second knife in the toilet cistern at the police station. So he asked what to go the for a piss. Hell? Asked to go for a piss at the police station was like, oh, bet hide this. Yeah. So the police then searched his house, and they asked Sonia to come to the station. When Sutcliffe was searched at the station, he was wearing a V-neck jumper under his trousers, with his legs in the holes and his genitals exposed through the head hole. So what? The elbows were padded to protect his knees as he knelt over his victims because Yorkshire's really cold and he would go out at night. So he wore a V-neck jumper and then it meant that he... Because basically, I didn't mention this, but he masturbated over his victims like as they died.
0: Okay. So he He had... Cozy in his little sweater.
1: But his legs were warm as toast. His dick, however, must have been freezing. So after... (laughs) So after two days of questioning, on the 4th of January, 1981, Sutcliffe suddenly admitted that he was the Ripper. He calmly described his many attacks. He said that God had ordered him to murder the women. The women I killed were filth, he told police. Bastard prostitutes who were littering the streets, I was just cleaning up the place a bit. But they weren't anyway, were they? Even if you think that about sex workers, the people you killed weren't all sex workers. So that's bullshit.
0: And, uh... The way in which you did it was yeah. insane. So,
1: and you also. You that you're
0: cleaning thing Yeah. You
1: also wanked over them. So they can't have disgusted you that much. Right. Yeah. So when police asked him if he had killed Joan Harrison, the woman named in the Wearside Jack letters, he denied it. In truth, in 2011, DNA evidence proved Joan was killed by another convicted sex offender called Christopher Smith, who died in 2008. So, Did he
0: have a Newcastle accent?
1: Don't know. Oh, but basically, who it, was
0: the person that that called and had a Newcastle accent, saying that they were? Or Are you going to talk about that?
1: I'm going to tell you in a bit. Okay. So when when <laughs> Sorry. that's okay, I do it to you every week. Um, when when Sutcliffe was finally caught, Sonia chose to stand by him. So he told the police that he wanted to be the person to tell her first. So. She was called into a room with him and she asked, what on earth is going on, Peter? And he said, it's me. I'm the Yorkshire Ripper. I killed all those women. And she has the strangest reply. She says, what on earth did you do that for, Peter? What? Yeah. She is a strange fish, Sonia.
0: All the things.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's in shock, like, but yeah. yeah. And you do want to know. Yeah, why? Well, why? Yeah. <laughs> so Sutcliffe was charged with 13 charges of murder on the 5th of January, 1981. At his trial, he pleaded not guilty to murder, but guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. He also pled... What? Yeah, so he's insanity defence. So he also pled guilty to seven charges of attempted murder. He claimed God was talking to him and ordering him to kill sex workers. He claimed this started while working as a gravedigger... From the headstone of a Polish man, Bronislav Zapolski, and said that there was a voice coming from that grave and he thought that was the voice of God. Like, get your story straight. Just is it is it Bronislav Bro- or is it God?
0: Also, bringing a completely innocent dead guy into this who had nothing to do with any of this. Bronislav. Just completely tarnishing his name.
1: He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah so psychiatrist diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia and the prosecution was due to accept his plea but the trial judge rejected this and the trial was due to start on the 5th of May 1981 so after two weeks Sutcliffe was found guilty of murder on all counts the jury disregarded the evidence of the four psychologists and reported hearing a prison officer saying Sutcliffe told his wife if I convince people I'm mad I'll get 10 years in a loony bin
0: You're so smart.
1: Also, his wife is a schizophrenic, so he knows what sort of stuff to say.
0: Yeah. Um, Also, I'm going back to what he said about how he couldn't perform. Yeah. Like what? So you got mad because you couldn't perform, or God told you to do this? Yeah. Which one?
1: Very good point. The trial judge said he believed Sutcliffe was beyond redemption and that he could not be considered for parole until 2011. In 2010, he was given a whole life tariff, meaning he would never be released. Um, yeah. Oh, did I say he got 20 consecutive life sentences? That was his sentence. And then West Yorkshire police were criticised for their failing to find the ripper quicker. I think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So before computers, information on suspects was stored on handwritten index cards and the room that they were stored in had to be reinforced to cope with the weight in this investigation. Okay. So a report into do the investi- whatever
0: you need to do for this.
1: Yeah, I mean, file it better.
0: Make copies.
1: I mean, it's obviously like an overwhelming amount of paperwork. Yeah. But just get a better system.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, a report into the investigation stated a serious fault in the central index system allowed Peter Sutcliffe to continuously slip through the net. The lead, investigator yeah. was cri- yeah. the lead investigator was criticised for focusing so much on Wearside Jack, despite the fact the victims had all stated the Ripper had a Yorkshire accent. And the tape was even sent to the FBI in Quantico, and they reported back that they believed it was a hoax. So, Okay. And they know what they're talking about. So, the po- <laughs> Yeah. The police were also criticised for their blatant misogyny. A West Yorkshire detective said at a press conference in 1979, He has made clear that he hates prostitutes. Many people do. We as a police force will continue to arrest prostitutes, but the Ripper is now killing innocent girls. That indicates your mental state and that you are in urgent need of medical attention. You have made your point. Give yourself up before another innocent woman dies.
0: You weren't insane when you were killing sex workers, but now that- We all want to do that. Innocent people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is what he said. I get where you're coming from, dude. Yeah. But now I've nearly confused... done it myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but now you are uh. killing it. Now you are killing in air quotes innocent girls. Now you are mad. Yeah. So um, yeah. the Attorney General said at said at the trial, some victims were prostitutes, but perhaps the saddest part of the case is that some were not. The last six attacks were on totally respectable women. He said these words in a court what? of law. It is
0: what year was this? The eighties?
1: Not, not eighty one.
0: Guys, what?
1: <laughs> this is this is why when people are like, misogyny isn't real, you want to act like a victim, you could vote 100 years ago. This was going on 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Sorry, 40 people's years ago. Mindsets, people's
0: mindsets don't change just because laws do. No. Nope. That's what I keep saying yeah. to people yeah. who are close to me about misogyny and racism. I'm about to go off on a rant, so <laughs> get back to it. <laughs>
1: We don't have time for this, Rachel. No. In 2005, when DNA was collected, collected from the envelopes of the Wearside Jack letters and entered into the database, police got a hit. So John Samuel Humble was an unemployed alcoholic from Sunderland and he was named as the perpetrator. So his, okay. his DNA had been taken after he got caught drunk driving. And then on the 20th of October, 2005, Humble was charged with attempting to pervert the course of justice and sentenced eight years. He died in 2019
0: at age 63. Eight years is not very long.
1: Mm, No, no, it's not. But he, what he did had horrific consequences, but like you can't send him to prison for the police's lack of judgment. Mm, Right, right, What What he did was fucking hideous though. Like so unbelievably out of order. What on earth? Yeah. I do not get that. Like, people who say, yeah. claim to be a murderer, when they're not. What the hell is that about?
0: I don't get it. It's that, like, that thing with John JonBenét Ramsey, the guy who was in Thailand or something, and was like, oh yeah, I did it. Oh really? Like, yeah, he was American, but then he went to Thailand and he confessed there, confessed in air quotes, mm. that he killed John JonBenét Ramsey. We all know it
1: was the brother. I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) But he got all this press and it's just like, are you just doing this for fame?
1: It's the the weirdest way to get attention.
0: So weird.
1: So Sonia sued several newspapers for defamation after suggestions that she knew what Peter was doing. And there was also um, a couple of papers that said that she was having affairs with people, which was either true Mm -hmm. or not true. But either way. She won £370,000 in libel damages. She remarried in 1997, and despite having a new husband, she kept her old house that she shared with Peter and would visit him regularly in prison, much to her new husband's disgust. Really really upsets her new husband. Big fat does it anyway. (laughs) It's so weird.
0: Why did he marry her? I wonder if she was doing it secretly at first, or... I don't know. I, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't if like... I don't think you need to be sorry for that. You are married to a killer <laughs> and then you continue to support that killer. I would want nothing to do with you, let alone be married to you.
1: Yeah. And they only got divorced in like 2000 or 2005 or something.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, no, sorry. She remarried in 1997. So they it took her ages to divorce him, basically. She didn't divorce him for ages. Um, wow. And yeah, she visited him in prison. And apparently Peter Sutcliffe was like, your new husband's really jealous. Like, I can't believe he's trying to get in between us. Uh, (laughs) He doesn't like her new husband.
0: Well, she's not helping the situation.
1: No, really not. So this is the last bit. I can't believe we got through it. Well done. Yay. (laughs) Um, Peter Sutcliffe died on the 13th of November 2020 of coronavirus. And Sonia is expected to arrange his funeral and inherit his belongings.
0: Wow, and that is the story
1: of Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper.
0: Of all the people who have left us for coronavirus, I'm glad he died
1: from it. We can yeah. chalk that up to a win in 2020. Joe yes. Biden got <laughs> elected, and the Yorkshire Ripper died of coronavirus. Yes, apparently he, he was died. refusing treatment. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of like Ian Brady, who was like the Moors murderers, he was on hunger strike, like he wanted to die. Okay. They obviously fucking watch the razors around these people. Yeah. Obviously, they're, I think the English police are a little bit better at not giving people razors by the sound of things.
0: Yeah. Maybe just don't give them to any prisoners.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything worse than like a hunger strike. I live for food. I couldn't do it. I'd <laughs> no, announce I was I doing either. it. I'd announce I was doing it and then I'd be like, fuck it, just give me a donut. Like, I just couldn't do yeah. it. <laughs>
0: Never mind. It's been three hours. I need. Do you know a snack. what? It's
1: it's not that important to me. Have you got any crisps? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, like, I'm fucking useless when I'm hungry as well. So, like, I would quickly oh, man, lose yeah. my resolve. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, people are like, "Oh, if you hold up under torture, starve me. I'll give you what you want." <laughs> Definitely. Um,
0: I totally agree with you. Yeah. Good job. That's a horrible story. I didn't know. <laughs> yes, a lot it of the is. Details. <laughs> I knew, like, I think this is maybe the reason I avoided it so much was because it was so horrible. It's
1: and hard going. Yeah. He, he was prolific. Yeah. So many women. I think 17 women in the end. Like, and
0: in the space of, what, like 10 years? He, he just got away with it for that long.
1: Yeah, so he got caught in 1981, and he started doing it in... Well, like, the first assault was in 1969. 60,
0: 69,
1: yeah. It's like 12 yeah. years. Right. And in those 12 years, he went from attacking people and then shitting himself and running away to going back to a dead body and, like, mutilating it.
0: Yeah. Okay, this might sound bad, but England is so small. Mm-hmm. And having lived there, if you live in a small town like and over uh, <laughs> and over yeah. ipswich where i used to live or like where's w- w- any of the places in your story mm. they're not that big so for the police to do such a bad job in finding someone who was doing this for 12 years
1: 12 like, years he, his- he only had two breaks he had two year breaks that was it
0: right and he was seen by so many people. Mm-hmm. And I understand how the Golden State Killer got away with it for so long because California is like seven times bigger than the UK. Yeah, There's so many places to travel. You know? And he but had like for- a police
1: radio, I think.
0: He had a police radio. He, uh, He was very athletic. He just went all over. But for such a small place in England to be doing the same thing over and over and over. I just think, like, how bad do you have to be in the police department to not find this person?
1: Also, Peter Sutcliffe is really distinctive looking. Mm, He's got, yeah. like, really distinctive beard and facial hair. He's got, like, quite right. a distinctive jawline. He's got, like, long, curly, like, permed curly hair. I don't know if it's permed yeah. or not. He's got curly, like, a basically like a white guy's afro. Right. He's really distinctive. He doesn't look like that many people. You know how sometimes you yeah. just get like, you know, Israel Key like, okay, he's quite tall, but he's just got like a generic man's face, doesn't he? Like white yeah, man face. Yeah, Killer. Yeah. Right. Very generic faces. And yeah, like he never changed his hair. He never cut his beard off. He doesn't change. He looks exactly the same like this whole time. Yeah. He's got a look and he's sticking to it basically. Like you <laughs> see him on his wedding day and you see him when he gets arrested, exactly the same guy. Like, yeah, he doesn't age. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> And, um, All
0: he did was change his car, which is suspicious.
1: Yeah, and then I've watched a thing and his friend, like Trevor, was like, it's one of those things where you're like, you know how with Ted Bundy, um, Liz was like, oh, he's called Ted and he's got a Volkswagen and he looks like the sketch, mm-hmm. but it can't be him.
0: Do yeah. you know what I mean? People
1: are just in complete denial yeah. that right? your friend could do something that horrific.
0: Yeah, you would be, but even so...
1: Yeah, it's shit, shit police work, anyone. loads of time. You don't know who you're sleeping next to, Rachel. But it's just like lo- <laughs> loads of time wasting, like loads of fucking chasing red herrings. Um, yeah. Not thinking things through.
0: Not following. The, like they. It sounds like they didn't talk to family members of people. If they had just kept an eye on five of the 300 people that they were keeping an eye on. If they yeah. just watched them throughout the week, maybe they would have found something.
1: Yeah. Also, or
0: interviewed their family members.
1: It was sex workers for the first half, pretty much of his mm-hmm. murdering like spree. So, right, they kind of didn't give a shit. Like as you hear from their quotes about sex workers, right? Yeah, they didn't really give a fuck for the first yeah, half of that, it.
0: That seems to be the only reason why this happened for so long
1: well it's like um the grim sleeper as well he did that
0: yeah exactly
1: he killed sex workers that were addicted to drugs nobody was reporting the missing right so oh i know what i was gonna tell you i have been listening to the audiobook of the phantom prince by okay by liz kendall who Mm -hmm. is ted bundy's ex-girlfriend Yes. and yeah I've been listening to that and it's so good and it's it, it is really good although it's exactly based on you know the film that came out that terribly wicked and vile and evil film yes with Zach Efron in it it's exactly the plot they took they took the book my Phantom print and they right and they made that into the film so mm-hmm. basically when it was first released it really wasn't very popular and so there wasn't many mm-hmm. copies of it about. And then I heard about it and I was like, I'm going to get that book. And then I wanted to buy a copy and on eBay it was like £900. Whoa. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and then basically because <laughs> the film came out, then it sparked interest again. And then she basically yeah. read the book on Audible. So I listened to a, I listened to an audiobook of it for free. And you can also get a PDF of it as well. Because I found okay. somebody had scanned in a PDF.
0: Whoa. Okay.
1: Yeah. Somebody had scanned I was going to say
0: I could... I could add it to the our bookshop link, but if it's like nine hundred pounds then
1: no, I think maybe it's getting don't. I think it's been republished. So there'll be a okay. new version now. So yeah. Because there's an updated version and in the updated version she has um a chapter written by her daughter, Molly. Basically Ted Bundy was her stepdad for like from when she was three until she was about twelve. So right. And I never knew this, but, like, in her chapter, she basically says that he sexually abused her. Really? Yeah. I and would not like, know that. Inappropriately touch her all the time.
0: Because they did that, um, it was, like, a five-part series or a four-part series on Prime.
1: Yeah, uh, and she mentions a bit of it in that. Her
0: and her... I, yeah, I feel like she does, right? Yeah, and she, um...
1: tells, she tells that same story, but she goes on and, like, mm. finishes the story, basically, in in the program she says that he they're playing hide and seek and he's naked
0: yeah okay I yeah
1: and then after that it goes on to like say that he didn't put his clothes on and she knew that that was really weird i think she was about eight Mm -hmm. or something and he had a boner and like he followed her into bed and stuff like yeah it goes on basically more than is in the thing but maybe she just wasn't i don't know maybe she wasn't ready to tell that Or maybe they thought it was just really graphic.
0: Yeah, I do remember her talking about it, but they didn't spend too much time on it in the documentary.
1: No, but yeah, it happened all the time.
0: So weird. So weird for someone afterwards, too, to want to marry him.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, the woman, Carol Boone? Yes. Yeah. Well, fucking Chris Watts has a girlfriend in prison now. I know. What the... I haven't got a boyfriend, Rachel. Like... (laughs) Who do I need to murder around here to get a fucking prison boyfriend? <laughs> this is a joke.
0: If you want a prison boyfriend, you could get one, Talissa. You can write to them.
1: <laughs> You're like, that is an achievable dream. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know if you want it, but
1: <laughs> it's you can there do for it. taking. <laughs> yeah. You're like, don't have such a negative attitude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was looking at because I follow this person on instagram and she talks about how she writes to people in prison as like a because you can it it is a nice thing sometimes and so i looked into
1: it it's not for me but yes
0: yeah. i yeah i'm kind of are
1: you thinking about it i don't it?
0: know how i feel about it i i've thought about it just as like i like having pen pals but there is a certain a part certain part of my brain that is like mm, maybe don't do it but there is there's several websites and i was uh looking at them and a lot of them are like it's kind of like a profile like a yeah. profile yeah and they say like looking for friends some of them are like very innocent and like oh I like writing I want to talk to friends about movies and books and blah, yeah blah, blah, blah and then other people are like I'm a 36b and, and <laughs> I'm looking for boy a boyfriend to send pictures to and...
1: <laughs> there's um they do it on small town murder like they've done it sometimes on the proper um episodes and then they have a patreon only episode that's like the prisoner dating game and they basically yeah. read out they read out like three profiles and then jimmy has oh to pick God. jimmy has to pick one that he would go out with <laughs> it's really good <laughs> oh I gotta
0: listen to that I haven't listened to when they do that yeah because they
1: do it they do it as like a just an add-on to one of the regular episodes and it's so random and then I think they move that to a patron only feature but I'm okay. I'm a I'm a true crime bullshit patron and I'm about fucking a centimeter away from being a small town <laughs> murder patron as well because I need that prisoner dating game in my life <laughs> yeah
0: maybe like, we could do it but the male version
1: yes oh my god are we totally ripping them off who cares
0: yeah no they don't listen to
1: us (laughs) one you don't listen to us two you didn't you didn't invent writing to people in prison (laughs) they did definitely invent the format though but anyway yeah so we could do that as another patreon episode
0: Okay, maybe we will. I I will look into it and I'll see if I can... You're responsible for this because you brought it up. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, well, should we call it a day? And then we can... We should. Yeah, record our other episode for Patreons. So if you want to hear that, you know what you have to do. Go to patreon.com and sign up and you'll get a sticker and a shout out and um, a little postcard and... Um, a special
0: holiday episode
1: <laughs> okay, right bye then Rage. Right.
0: thanks for listening, bye. bye thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week, if you liked what you heard please rate,
1: review and subscribe and if you'd like to follow us on social media you can find us on Twitter at Transat Pod Instagram at Transatlantic Crime and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast
0: Thanks, bye. (laughs)